Amen. Everybody good? That's great. Um, everybody in the multimedia ministry is going to—they're going to hate me before this is every time I, I give them something, I change it now. But yeah, it's good. But uh, Andy told me I better uh, come up with something big to top that worship man. <laughs> told me I couldn't do it. I just can't do it. I ain't even going to try. But I do have some some really good stuff to share with you. That's all of ten minutes old. This really, but I was thinking about this phrase. Uh, I was talking to, uh, I think some of you were here the Wednesday night a, couple, a while back. A man named Dan Duke came. Dan was a is a missionary from Brazil. He's an American guy and he ministers in Brazil. And uh, I was talking to Dan about, uh, you know, re- Brazil has been in a major revival for about ten years, uh, and he was telling me the 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 thing the thing that really marked that revival anywhere you go. You can go out on the Amazon River in the middle of nowhere in a church of ten people, and the revival's happening there. In other words, he said it's not just located in certain epicenters, you know, like main places. It's everywhere. Um, but he said, you know, really that, and from his perspective, and he's been there, I think, 13 years, I think that's what he said, is that revival is starting to ebb now in that nation. Uh, it's just like it's going. You know, there's been a season, and now it's starting. To, that season's coming to an end, and there's a new season. And he said, "I believe this is what he, he said when I came home, which is here." Uh, he said, "I feel I felt like the Lord was saying that season of revival is come is headed to this nation. That God is going to begin to come into this nation in real revival, and it's going to be a revival that's going to really, really." Uh, be all over the nation. It's, just, it's a, a, an awakening. And uh, we were talking about different seasons, and he, he said something to me that really really stuck in my mind. Uh, he said, every season in the natural, from an agricultural perspective, is for the one season. It's for the harvest. In other words, every season has its own specific purpose, you know, there's a season to plant. You know, there's a season to, to plow. There's a season to do these different things. But every season is the ultimate purpose of the season is for there to be a harvest that that we can you know receive a harvest. And I was saying about Thanksgiving this morning that really that's what Thanksgiving was meant to celebrate. It was meant to celebrate the harvest that people had lived, they had survived, and God had given them a harvest. And um um. And I think really the thing that God is revealing to us now that God is God has brought is bringing us into a new season. I believe, uh, I, I believe my I believe it's for the church in America. I believe the United States is in, in, in the beginning of a new season. Just I think all the way around spiritually we have come into another season, and and. Um, yeah, but this season is, is, is God is pointing us. He's saying something. He's saying that there's a harvest out there. That's where this, all this is going. It's not going, you know, when we think about revival, many times we just think about, you know, God touching us. And well, I love all that. And I want to be touched over and over. If God touches me 98 times, I'm still saying there's two more times at least I need to be touched, God. I mean, I'll never get enough of getting blasted by the Holy Spirit. I just can't get enough of it. I just need more of God's touch on my life, I feel like. I have this insatiable desire in me to have powerful experiences with God. And that's something God's done in my life. It's, it's real in my life. I, 
it really lives on the inside of me. I'm just hungry for God to touch me. I'm hungry for God to speak to me and reveal Himself to me, reveal more of Himself. And I think we'll spend eternity, okay? I mean, in one sense, revival is forever. Because we, we will never come to the end of God. We'll never see the last of God. We will all, he will always be revealing Himself. I think for the rest of eternity, we'll think, Oh my gosh, look at this! I didn't know that! That's what I loved about Nigel, uh, Nigel, the Indian chief, Nigel Big, Big Pond. When he came, the one thing is the one thing that struck me about him is like, wow, I see an, another aspect of God in this man that I, I haven't really seen before. He's revealed another aspect of the, of the Father to me, and I've never really, I've not, I just haven't seen him like that. But I know that's who he is. That's another part of God that I just haven't known, and. So it's exciting being around other people who bring an aspect of God to us that we've not seen. And God has so many diverse people on the earth. And every one of us carry something of God in us. I mean, we carry all of God in us, actually, to tell you the truth. But God does not express all in us Himself through any one person or any through one church or either from either one nation or one race or one culture. He's brought all that together to bring something different so people can see these different aspects of the Father and His creation because we are created in His image. Um, so um, I wanted to read the Scripture, uh, Hosea 10, 12. So we had this... I, I wanna, this is current. What, we, had this retreat, we had this leadership retreat every year where the leaders go up to a place called A Place in the Heart. And that was a very that place was named well. That was God's prophetic name for 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 that because that's really what they carry there. They carry an anointing in, in that place to mess with your heart. Okay, and uh, we sort of had a, a loose agenda. The only part of the agenda we really fulfilled was the golf game, and I didn't even fulfill my part of that agenda because I wanted to win. But as, my team, but as usual, John's team won. But next year, they're going to play in front of us, and we're going to make sure they don't win. Because we're going to hit into them. We're going to yell every time they get ready to make a swing. We're going to do whatever we can. But, but the Lord really started doing something. And, uh, and I wanted just to share a Hosea 10, 12. It says, Sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. And this is what the Lord began to do. Break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord until He comes to rain righteousness on you. And I really believe this. This is what I really have come to believe by experience, okay? And whenever God, whenever there's a spiritual change of seasons, the first thing God does is He goes after your heart, okay? That's where God begins to work. I can look back in my life over my Christian life, and, and identify spiritual seasons in every one of them, God has went after my heart. That was the very first thing He began to He began to plow my heart. And that's really what I saw the Lord doing. He, began, he was plowing our hearts. We didn't know what He was doing at first, but He was really plowing us. And He was saying, listen, you know, you know what fallow ground is? I think this is what fallow ground is. What I understand. Fallow ground is ground that has already been plowed but has set. Isn't that right? Anybody? Any of you agricultural people? It's green. Have you ever seen ground that has been plowed that has set a while? It's crusty. It gets a little hard. Okay? 
In other words, it's ground that God that has been worked. God has worked the ground and worked the ground and worked the ground and it's set there for a bit after all is working and there's a little bit of hardness that has gotten on it over the season, over the time. And then God comes in with His divine Holy Ghost plow and says, let's start plowing again. Let's get back to this thing in you that really is the most important thing in you. Because this is how God knows us. God doesn't know us from the outward. He knows us from the, from the inside, from our heart. That's how God looks at us. Because that's the real, the real us. The real us is our heart. It's not our mind. It's not our intellect. You get a very a brilliant person and get, and get them away from their intellect for five minutes and get them to really start talking out of the heart, you find there's a different person hidden under there. You get an old mean, grouchy guy, just old mean, crabby, old grouchy, whiny guy. You, get him in a, you catch him in a moment. When he's really not going off his emotions, but he's what's going off in deep, that's what in here you find. That's a different person. And uh, so God really has begun, I believe, to, to, to plow our hearts because God wants to do something different now. And the plowing, I think, ultimately, like I say, the plowing is ultimately for, for a harvest of souls that God really wants to bring into his kingdom because he's hungry for his family that's out there that's not living with him. And it's like the, the, the parable of the prodigal son that where the father every day gets up and walks out there and looks for the sons and daughters that are out there. And are they coming home yet? And every once in a while one comes and there he is weeping on their shoulders because that's, that's how he welcomes us into his kingdom. Let's read that Song of Solomon verse, Song of Solomon uh, 8, verse 5 through 7. Are y'all tracking with me? So what I'm telling you is we're in a time right now where God is dealing with our hearts. I don't think he was just doing it with the leadership, you know. I think, you know, they got surprised. I got surprised. They, being, you know, we got surprised what God did because we sort of had some things we wanted to do. So we didn't come away from there with some grand plan. We came away with God's uh, Holy Spirit plow stuck in our hearts, plowing away. And that's a good thing. But Song of Solomon 8, verse 5 through 7, it says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? And see, I think a lot of people and I, a lot of prophets have said that America is in a wilderness right now, spiritually, that we, we went into a wilderness time. And I don't know... I mean, maybe they are. I don't feel like I'm in a wilderness. But I'll tell you the truth. This is where God wants to bring all of us, regardless of where we've been, leaning on our beloved, the Lord himself. Beneath the apple tree, I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she was in labor and gave you birth. And I'll tell you, the apple tree, uh, you know, is the breath of God. Okay? That's what, whenever you smell apples in the Spirit, you're smelling God's breath. Okay, God's breath, that's really what God wants to do is beneath the hour, He wants to wake us up. It's when God breathes His Spirit, okay, isn't that the Holy Spirit, Numa, right? That's breath. That's His breath. That's what it smells like. It smells good if you, you know, have some apple pie. But God wants to wake us up. Okay, right now. He wants to wake the people up by breathe, not wake us up by, because Becky was saying, Something about the Lord wants to awaken us or something just then. I knew that was the Lord. Uh, but He doesn't want to wake us up by being mean to us. Yet, you know, like you, you do your kids when they, you tell them to get up four or five times and finally you go out there and grab them and just sling them out of the bed and grab all their covers or pour water on Whatever you did, you know, screaming at them. I remember one time, I'll never forget this. This is a sidetrack. But this is something I did that was really mean to my sister. Okay? It was on a Saturday morning. 
I went in there and occurred her life. Get up! It's time to go to school! What is wrong with you? She jumps up, oh gosh! <laughs> then my mama heard what was going on in there and I was running. But I never could get my sister on that again. I tried for years to get her on that same trick and she never fell for it. But God, I'm telling you, God wants to breathe on us right now. That's how He wants to waken us up. Uh, he, he's not mad at us. He wants to breathe on us. And His breath brings life. And He wants something. You know, your mother was in labor with you. There she was in labor and gave, gave you birth. God really wants to release something in the church right now. The, you know, church being like the mother the, uh, for us. That God wants to birth something into the world. And it can be difficult. It can be painful, of course. Childbirth, they say. I've never personally experienced it, but I've watched people do, do birth. And they got mean. <laughs> They got real mean. <laughs> so this phrase God has given me recently, well, he gave it to me a long time ago, but recently it got really real to me, and it says he has brought us into the home of his heart. Okay, God has brought us into the home of his heart. And I have this vision when we get our, our facility at the Father's house to be a welcome to the home of his heart and welcome the world into the home of God's heart because that's the destiny that God has for every human being on this planet is, is to come home to his heart and live in his heart and he has called us to live out of our hearts now there's some things some practical things to this that I wanted to, to share are, are y'all understanding what I'm saying to you this morning let me read one of them it's Deuteronomy 128 uh, of course this is after this is an Old Testament a picture of about our hearts of what can happen to our hearts when we listen to the wrong people okay there's an attack in America one of the, I'm just this is me okay I don't know if this is the Lord but one of the things I think that happened during the, the political season we went through all the nasty things that were said about each other the attacks on people on the opponents whether they were true or not I don't know I mean that, but I don't think that pleased the Lord for us as human beings to run another human being down into the ground like that. I mean, they may have been doing some of the stuff they were guilt, uh, claiming they were. Uh, you know, Kay Hagen may have been taking money from godless people. I don't know, but I felt like it was just, my heart just grieved over that. It's like, that's just wrong to do that to another person because God doesn't do that. God just doesn't do it. But it says, where can we go? This is what the children of Israel, our heart, heart wow. What was that? I was hearing something. Our brethren have made our hearts melt. Our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying the people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven, and besides, we saw the sons of Anakin there. In other words, that was what they were saying, our brethren. So I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You need to be careful who you listen to. You need to be careful who you listen to because people can cause your heart to melt. People can ha cause you to lose heart. Okay, other Christians can. I mean, in fact, I think Christians are some of the worst. In other words, there's some Christians, I'm just not going to listen. I'm going to be nice to them on the surface, but I'm not listening to a thing they got to say because there's this negative thing coming and there's a, there is an anti-faith spirit. Becky talked about Wednesday night something that was very powerful. I wish y'all could have been here. She talked about the opposition gospel comes out of Romans or Galatians and how there is an opposition gospel. It's a fake gospel. It's an opposition gospel. It's, it's a bewitching. It's what, what uh, uh, Paul said to the Galatians. Who's bewitching? It's witchcraft. 
It's a, it's a gospel that's not true. It's a gospel of works. It's a gospel of effort. It's a go- and, 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 it sh- and, and Christians who live in that will destroy you if you listen to them, if you allow them to hear what, what they're saying to you. They're discouraging. They will melt. Your heart will melt. You will lose your courage. You will lose your ability to live out of your heart. And you've really got you really to be careful about who you listen to. And I think all, what I was saying about the campaign, and I think all the negative stuff, that's why I love what George Bush said about Barack Obama. He got up and he blessed the man and said, this is a great day for America. That's what George Bush said, the president. He was speaking life. This is a great day that a black man is going to get to be the leader of this nation. Okay, and he said, I'm, I'm welcoming his family, his beautiful, his, his beautiful wife and his two, beautiful two daughters to the White House as soon as they can get here. And so, I mean, I'm thinking, here's the man who can speak a blessing was speaking a blessing. And that's really what we need to hear. I, I, this is what sort of I thought, and I don't count, because I'm not in the political. But I think that somebody needs to make a rule. Here's the way we're going to do it. This is what my opponent believes. This is what I believe, and this is what I'm going to do about it. And leave it at that, and let people decide. Instead of filling this world up with more negative trash, okay, that, that brings a negative spirit, the enemy just jumps all over that negative stuff. What here, these men lost their heart. They lost courage. They lost faith. All they could see was in the natural, and they were defeated men. So we've really got to be careful in this season about what we see in the natural and what we listen to and what we allow people to say. And I think it starts when we begin to receive negative reports. See, somebody could come up to Jerry Jolly and say, Hey, Jerry Jolly, you know, uh, Becky Wicker really hates your guts. And Jerry could think, Well, no, she don't, but, you know, she did sort of act funny that day. She, she did ignore me. She walked by. I've noticed she hasn't spoken to me in a month. And next thing you know, Jerry Jolly's thinking Becky hates him. He's spending time thinking about what did I do to make her hate me? Finally, he's going to, you know, he goes through all this and he feels all this pressure and burden in his heart. I need to go talk to Becky. He goes to talk to Becky and Becky's like, what? You know? You see how that can just get into your life and eat you up? And God really wants us to be careful. And I'm going to tell you something. Not only do we need to be careful who we listen to, we need not to be the people who are speaking negative reports. We need to be, be people. Let me read. Brian, can you jump down here? Are y'all good? The Ephesians four twenty nine through 32. Poor Brian. One of the things I feel like God's been telling me recently is, listen, Byron, extend grace to everybody around you. Extend grace. Now's not a time to get in fights with people. And even if somebody's mad at you and wants to beat you up and you ain't done nothing to them, the best thing you can do is say, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I offended you. I love you. I really don't, you know, I have no fight. Did y'all ever watch that movie, Ever Which Way But Loose? It's about Clint Eastwood and he had this orangutan. And, he, and Clint Eastwood was a street fighter. The whole, and there was a several of them. One of them I'll never forget because God spoke to me. He, you know, they would fight, these guys. They were street fighters. And he had this big, there was this big fight between Clint Eastwood, who was a street fighter, and this other one. It was like the champion street fighters finally met. And Clint, you know, this, the whole movie was around this one fight. And finally he beat that rascal, okay? He beat this other fighter. And he was the man on the way home, because Clint was a redneck. He had a orangutan that hung around with him. I guess that's what was about the movie. But there was, this, there was this other punk kid that knew that Clint Eastwood was the man and wanted to fight him. So, okay, we'll fight him. You know what Clint did? The guy punched him one time and he fell down. He was out. So the guy went off rejoicing with his buddies that he had beat the greatest man. Clint jumps up in the truck and his buddy said, What happened? This wasn't worth it, man. 
I just didn't want him to feel like messing with this dude. Just let him think he won. And I think there's a time for us when people want to engage us, let them have the punch. Just act like it. When as soon as they're gone, just jump up. You're happy to go. They're all thinking something, but at least you are free. And you don't have to fight people today. Because I think, it's, I think the enemy wants to bring offense into the body of Christ. But this is what Paul said. He said, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for edification according to the need of the moment. So it will give grace to those who hear. Now, I think this is a very real word right now. It's always a real word, but I think we need to be real careful right now. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, because all that other stuff is grievous to the Holy Spirit, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Did I ever finish reading that other? I didn't finish it, did I? I'm sorry. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. I think it's pretty straight up, doesn't it? That's what needs to happen in the body of Christ. Bitterness, anger, clamor, slander, so on. We need to get it on. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now, I think this is good, practical wisdom for how we need to be behaving ourselves right now in this season. It's practical wisdom. Don't get caught in a street fight with somebody. All right, here's another one. I never finished reading Song of Solomon, did I? Can I go back to that and read that? I wanted y'all to get that. I'm sorry, I did. I got distracted. I get distracted with myself. Anyways, are y'all good this morning? Uh, uh, yeah, go, this is the next verse. We were singing this. That's why I wanted to do it. Put me like or set me, this is the way we sing it, song, like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your long arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as severe as, as hell. It flashes or flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. The Lord's jealous over us. He is very jealous over us. He's the most jealous person there ever was, you know. But his, many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly spies. In other words, it's saying we can't gain this love. We can't do anything to, 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 to uh, earn this love. This love is given to us. God's already given this love. All we have to do is receive it. And I really want to encourage you that the love of God message is really a powerful message because if we ain't walking in love, we can't, none of this stuff really matters. None of this stuff is really going to work in your life. It just, it just flat won't work because it's hard. It's hard to let somebody hit you and not fight them if the love of God's not flowing in you. Because the only way you can really do that is to love that person. And the only way you can love that person is to know that God loves you to be loved. You know? And have that love flowing in you. And then you can do a lot because love's a very powerful weapon. All right, let me read. Are y'all good? I got five minutes. This is an all-over-the-road message, right? Remember, we're talking about God plowing our hearts. Okay? God's wanting to plow your hearts this morning. God wants to speak to you about what He's put in your heart. God, God wants to be able to... There's things hidden in every one of our hearts that are from God. There's, like Andy was saying, dust or dream. There's visions. There's dreams. There's things down in there that God wants to plow. He wants to break up that old crusty shell so those things can begin to come out. 
Because the old crusty heart's not really you. So God begins to plow. So let Him plow you. It's good. It feels good, actually, when He begins to do it. It really feels good to get back in touch with what's on the inside of you. Because when you get back in touch with that, the next period of time probably could be years in your life. You're, the, the next few years of your life will be directed by what you have discovered that's inside of you. That was the thing, the last thing that God said, Byron, find out who you really are and do that, would you? <laughs> you know? Y'all remember that? Find out who you really are and do that. I don't know who I am. Don't you just tell me who I am? And like, no, I found out ultimately because it was already in there. It's in us. Find out who that is. Find out that dream in you. Find out that vision in you. Don't, you know, don't tell me you have a vision or a dream for something and you're not doing anything about it. Plow, get that ground plowed up so that, because if it's a real vision, that's what will be in there once the plowing's done. It'll start coming out. And when that starts coming out, you'll start doing something about it. It may be a little something, but you'll do something. You hear what I'm saying? God created us to live that way. He did not create us to live the other way around. He did not create us to live from other people and other things telling you who you are, what you are, what you should be doing. Now, parents do have a responsibility to help kids find that. Pastors have a responsibility to help people find that. But ultimately, God wants you to find that on your own with Him. Those other people are just there to help you along until you can get to the place where you can hear God more clearly yourself. But this is the greatest scripture, Second uh, <clears throat> Corinthians four sixteen through eighteen. Are you good, Brian? I got I gave Brian ninety eight scriptures, and he's having to jump all over the place. Uh, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Okay, we don't lose heart. So Paul is stating here how he didn't lose heart. Okay, how he didn't quit from the heart. Okay, and then he says, But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light affliction... In other words, he was saying, I'm going through some troubles in my life. There's difficulties in my life. There's affliction in my life. It's producing an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. There's a lot of authority gets released in a person's life when they begin to discover their heart. That's where your real spiritual authority lies at. So when you discover what's really in you, then you have authority with that thing. Okay, that's what he's talking about. That eternal weight of glory. Weight is authority. Okay? For a momentary light of fiction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all compassion. While we look... Now, this is the key. While we look not at the things which are seen. Now, this is what Paul the Apostle is saying. Okay? Mr. Anti-Holy Spirit realm person. Paul the Apostle is saying, you cannot live your Christian life and not have a hard heart if, you are just, if you're just seeing what's in this world. It will harden you, it will discourage you, it will disappoint you. And he is saying right here, we don't look at that. But at things which are not seen, that's how you keep from losing heart. You've got to see into the spirit realm. I love another thing Mr. Nigel Big Pond said. He's, this is talking about, he was talking about how he saw in the Spirit. He said, everybody, I, say, he said, I have friends that see angels. You know, that's what they see. You know what I see? I see trees. I see dirt. I see dirt being moved. That's what, when I look into the Spirit realm, because he's connected to the ground. And he sees the ground being done, something done to it. Because God wants to use that ground for something besides just trees sitting on it. You know, God lets... Every person can see something is going to see something different. They're going to perceive into their invisible world a little different. 
Okay? I don't know how. I can only tell you how I perceive into it. And I can only give you my experience. Not expecting everybody to see what I see and hear what I hear and feel what I fear. Feel. But you must, you and I must connect into that spiritual world, that, that invisible world. God has given us the ability to do that. He has given, in fact, Jesus rebuked the religious leaders of his days for not being. He said, y'all can tell the weather, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. He was rebuking them. Because he said, you have that ability and you're not doing it, you're not using it. And he admonished them. I think it's Matthew 16 where he did that. He said, you can look at the sky and tell me what the weather's going to be, but you cannot discern spiritually what's happening. And that is not good. That's what he was saying. You need to be able to discern spiritually. And the reason he was rebuking he wasn't rebuking people who's like, well, gosh, you know, like we'd rebuke a two-year-old for not being able to clean up after himself. We wouldn't do it because they can't. But our 16-year-old, we might tell them, hey, you can clean up after yourself. Go do it. Because you have the ability to do it. God is saying to the believers, you have the ability to see the invisible. And if you're not using it, then he would admonish you for it. He'd say, use it. It's the eyes of your heart. It's the eyes of faith. And once we begin, and Hebrews 5 says, we, we, we develop those senses by using them. That's what it says. You, you, you develop those senses by using them instead of arguing about them. So God is calling us into a time to see into the Spirit. Whatever you see with our heart, to live out of your heart, what does it mean? It means to see into the invisible. It means to live from that world. And as you do that, you become everything God created you to become. And the real you, the real things in you that Christ has placed in there, that Christ wants to express to you, will begin to come forth in your life. There's no other way. There is no other way. Why we look at things which are seen, but or things are not seen, which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. This temporal, this is going to pass. And if all your life is tied up with just what's here, you're tied to something that's temporal. Here today, gone tomorrow. Okay? That's why we can't tie ourselves, and I'm, I love our country, but we can't tie ourselves to the government of our country. We honor our government, we respect our government, we pray for our government. But they could be gone tomorrow, and somebody else could take over. We tie ourselves to the Lord. But things which are seen, things which are not seen, but the things which are seen or not seen are eternal. In other words, he's talking about in the natural eyes. God really has called us to see. God wants us to live out of our heart, and God has begun a plowing in our hearts because we're in a new season. Okay? And, and some of us have got crusty. Obviously, the leadership in this church was starting to get crusty, and God jumped all over them before they could even have a chance to start acting crusty. Maybe they were acting crusty. I don't know. We probably were. <laughs> I'll, take the, I'll take it. If God's saying it, I'll take the admonishment. Okay? But I appreciate the Lord starting to plow. And I'm saying, Lord, plow on in my heart because I know this is how you called me to live. And this is when I am most fulfilled in my life, when I'm living out of my heart, when I'm living what's real inside of here, what He's put in here. And I'm going to live from that. I'm going to go from that. And I'm going to share it with people. I'm going to tell people about it, whether they want to hear it or not, whether they get frustrated. Because I feel like some people get frustrated with me because I keep telling them some of the same things over and over. But I believe it so much. I can't help it. It's alive inside of me. And God wants us to be that way. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, was still telling the testimony to people how he got saved. 
That's what he was doing. Everybody, why are you doing this? Well, you know, I was walking down this road 40 years ago and God come to me. It's like, get another testimony, would you? He had thousands of testimonies. But I'll tell you this. I want to give this to you this morning. I want you to get this. I want you to get a bigger vision. What I share with you is just living in this moment. The vision is God is going to bring a harvest of souls to this country. God has an interest in saving people's lives. And this season we're in, maybe it's that season of harvest. I don't know. We'll find out as we go. But I'll tell you this. Whatever this season is, it is unto that harvest ultimately. It is unto that harvest. And God is going to use us. He's calling us. That's what he said to us. Can I share this one little quick thing? I had a dream two nights in a row. And here was a dream. There was a group of people that were waiting on another group of people to come and bring them into the kingdom. The other group of people were so bound up with some issues that they were dealing with. And they weren't bad issues, but they were distracted. Okay? Guess who the people who were distracted were? Us. And there's a group of people that God said, I've assigned those people's salvation to you. Don't be distracted with all this other stuff. Good stuff, but not the best stuff. And see, God is ultimately, that's where God's trying to take us. Till we come to a place where we see those people and we realize those people God has given to us to bring into His kingdom. We've been assigned to them. First Baptist Hatton, they got their own. Second Baptist has got the first president. They've got, everybody's got their own that God's assigned them to. Me personally, just me, forget y'all. Pam Jolly personally has people that God says, that woman has been assigned, her, her eternal destiny has been assigned to Pam Jolly. Pam Jolly is the person who's going to bring that woman into my kingdom. And that doesn't mean they ain't going to come in if we don't do it, but I'll tell you, this is how the dream ended. Both times, the dream ends with those people waiting on us. Meaning we still got time. Okay, we aren't there yet, but God's calling us that. And I believe that's the, the, the ultimate goal that God wants to do. The ultimate thing, all these different seasons, all these Holy Ghost moves, all this, all this revival and everything. But ultimately it's for God to bring a harvest into His house because God loves those human beings out there. And I'm thankful we did because one time I was one of those human beings out there. And somebody, a couple of people that got assigned, talked to me about it and talked to me about it for a year until I you know, was telling them, I don't want to hear about it no more. Don't talk to me. I, I don't want to hear it. But I thank God I did hear it. <clears throat> Amen? You want to share something, Janet? Yeah, I, I <coughs> had a dream last night. And I just had a dream last night that, um, and I know I was in the Father's house. I mean, I just... Um, just know that we were in the building and Tommy was there too and we had just we were cleaning up after some kind of a meeting that we had had um, you know and and I can see the inside of the place where we were and there were all these tables and we had been feeding people during the meeting and I looked out the window and there were buses driving up full of kids it was kids and you know that would be my thing (laughs) just full of kids and they were just waving you know and streaming into the building and I was thinking we hadn't gotten cleaned up after the last thing you know and I was meeting the people coming in the door and they said 
Yeah, well, we know you got food. We know you got food. And, and I was saying, well, I don't know. And then I thought, well, I know that Tommy did put some stuff in the supply room. You know, I just was thinking he did have some drinks and maybe there's some food in there in the supply room. And then I looked around at the because we had cleaned up the room and there were all these napkins and plates that were like old Christmas napkins and old plates that didn't match. And it was just, you know, it was sort of like annoying to me that they... Where did these come from? And the people were putting them out. And they said, we brought our napkins and plates. You know, uh, we know you've got food. We've, we brought our own napkins and plates. And so I just thought, you know, as you were sharing that, I was really thinking, you know, we do have food. We do have food. And that's part of the uh, tearing up the fallow ground, you know, is just knowing what we have and getting ready to present it. You know, because these people don't care, you know, that are coming in. They know we've got it, and they are bringing their own utensils, you know, whatever it is. And so I just, that was encouraging to me. We need to let the real us out, you know. I mean, we need to let the Lord out, you know, which is the real you. So that's what I wanted us to do. If if, If you're not being the real you, and you know who you are being... (laughs) <laughs> then I feel like you need to you know, get somebody to lay hands on you this morning and just pray a prayer of faith and let the Lord just come out of you and be who He wants to be through you and break up that fallow ground and let the Lord arise and let that dormant you arise and come forth and be all that God's called you to be. Amen?